In this episode of Hope Renewed, we continue our conversation with pastor, author, and teacher Zach Eswine about the challenges ministry leaders deal with on a daily basis. Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for joining me for Hope Renewed. I'm Tom Jameson, and this is the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. It's where we explore the issues and situations that can put pastors at risk and share hope when ministry leaves us hopeless. It was a privilege for me to have a conversation recently with Dr. Zach Eswine, a member of the PIR Board of Directors. Among many other things, Zach is a pastor, teacher, speaker, author, blogger, and mentor, husband, and most recently, a new dad. As we talked about ministry challenges, Zach shared some of his personal journeys in mentoring, his perspectives on developing a Sabbath trust and healthy rhythm in ministry, and some places where he has experienced the life-giving hope offered in Jesus Christ. And, And... when when you describe mentoring, uh, what I'm hearing a little bit is not maybe a traditional like discipling role or teaching role that that someone might get in their mind. Oh, you know, because what, what we run into is this mindset that said, well, I don't need a mentor or I don't, you know, I don't want someone telling me how to be. I just want someone to share life with and to share life back uh, with me. That's right. So I'm probably distinguishing mentoring from coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, coaching is I have an expertise. You, you want to work on your preaching. You want to work on congregational culture. Uh, we're going to talk specifically about that. And um, and discipleship, we usually, uh, we uh, Americans in this moment, off, evangelicals, often think of discipleship as content. It's similar. We're going to do some content in a workbook or something like this, and we're going to answer questions and do content together. Mentoring is embodied life. Uh, when uh, it, it's mentoring is walking with Jesus for three years, it, eating with him, uh, being puzzled by him, waking up and not knowing where he went, um, and then you come back and you realize he's praying, uh, hearing him pray, seeing him frustrated, uh, seeing him tired, and so uh, mentoring is is more it includes manner not just message Mm -hmm. way not just words now most of us can't recreate a three years on the road uh, with jesus kind of you know timothy titus uh, paul and timothy paul and titus elijah elisha kind of embodied life where we're apprenticing together but we can uh, move toward creating pockets of time that are more like that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so, for example, um, folks, uh, ministry leaders will come stay in our home uh, from time to time for three days, three weeks, ten weeks, whatever it is. And uh, we don't change anything about our life when they come. We just live. We got homework with kids. Uh, I'm right here down the street at our church building. Um, I'm teaching a class out there. Just come, come be with us. Uh, 
if you're with us for 10 weeks, you're going to see us cry or, or uh, arguing in hushed tones. It may not have been in hushed tones, but you're here. So we're trying to, you may walk into a room and we'll say, ah, oh, don't mind us. We were just crying, you know, um, or we'll laugh together. We'll wash dishes together. Uh, that try, trying to find, um, create a s- small pockets like that slices of life pockets where we trust it, that um, it, it's like um, Philip with the Lord Jesus. Philip has traveled with our Lord for, I don't know at that point what scholars would tell us, two and a half years. I'm not sure how long it is at that point. And, and uh, he just says, just show us the Father. And our Lord says, have you been with me this long? How can you say show? Yeah. And, and what it is, is that for our Lord, everything he's lived is also a message. You know, it's, it's, it's his, our Lord's words, but also our Lord's way. This is seeing the Father, Philip. And in some ways, we, we need help learning that. A final analogy would be my, my mamma made this macaroni, my grandmother, who made this macaroni dish at holidays that I loved. She's gone to be with the Lord, you know. And I have her recipe written down. And every time I follow that recipe, you know, it just doesn't turn out quite the way she made it. What's wrong with that? I have the message. I have the content, you know. Well, what's missing is now I know I wish I would have watched her more. I wish I would have just been with her watched her do it, be a part of doing it. Cause there's something um, in her way that I didn't, I didn't catch, you know? So we're, you know, we're 31 points down. The biggest comeback in NBA history was this week. Uh, the Clippers were down 31 points and came back and won. Okay. We're 31 points down on these kinds of, on these kinds of questions, but the game's not over. It's not over. I, like, I love that analogy. We've got a lot more games left to play. so And the coach knows it. what he's doing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it, it, it sounds, you know, in battling isolation, just to bring this full circle, um, that um, creating relationships yeah. where not only is there a willingness on my part to learn, but a willingness on your part to be real and authentic to say, okay, it's not that I'm an expert here, but it's come with, watch, see, experience um, life together. And then in that discerning how God is teaching and how God is growing us. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. And I think the beauty in that, then, how that combats isolation is that, okay, I'm not alone in this. I, here's my mentor crying. You know, here's my mentor struggling. Here's my mentor pulling his hair out, but yes. in such a way that I'm Godward in my understanding of that yeah. rather than inward of my understanding. Yeah, but I, you know, I, um, I come from a, a very dear family that's very broken. You know, so I grew up with multiple divorces and marriages. And when I when I went to university uh, college, uh, there's a man there named Bob Smart who he and his wife Karen modeled this uh, this life on life idea 
where they just welcomed me into their home, not just me, others too, but in their living room, you know? And so I, Karen taught me how to cook, cook some food, you know? Uh, she taught me what to offer a guest when they walk into your house. I, I saw them argue. Uh, I saw them forgive each other. I saw them parent, learn to be parents with young children. I didn't know at the time uh, how rare that was. Uh, or, uh, or when Bob would go pray, he would just say, come with me. I'm going to go pray. And then he would just pray. He would pray man, you know, like a man prays when he's by himself. And he, there's something about the gospel that happened in his life that would allow, he would allow me to just be part of that. And, uh, now, I'm I'm not able to do that in all the same ways. I'm more introverted. I'm more broken in different areas. I don't, you know, I can't just imitate all that. Mm-hmm. And, but because there was a couple who who opened themselves in that way, it gave me an imagination, a different mental map. So like, okay, I don't I don't have to be perfect um, for people to be in my life. Um, now, not everyone knows how to handle that. We've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. And someone will hurt us um, from time to time. But um, there are others who will be, be glad, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah. there's a, a very dear pastor that came and stayed with us recently. And we've forgotten how much our floors creak in our house. Our floors creak a lot in the house. We just, we don't even notice it because, you know. And I think it was after the first night. Uh, in our home, he was, uh, we were talking and he was just saying he was nervous about the floors. Like when he went to the bathroom at night and <laughs> when he went to the kitchen to get some food, he felt like it was making so much noise. And, uh, and, and it became sort of a metaphor, you know, of being able to say, Oh no, <laughs> you know, the floors can, the floors do creak in this house and it's okay. Just walk across them, <laughs> you know, and, uh, it's all okay. And, uh, you know, in our small ways, we can try to offer that to others. But I've needed a whole lot of mentoring. My, I've been so broken and so foolish and so naive in my life with relationships. I've needed people like Bob Smart, like Jerem Bars, like Leighton Ford, I've, and others who've uh, helped me um, get glimpses of what we're talking about. And what a gift, like you say, um, to have others who'd be willing to do that and then to learn to do that ourselves. Um, Because I, you know, the, the question that keeps bouncing back to me is how, how do we get pastors to embrace that posture Um, (laughs) to be able to, to say, you know, may I come with you? Uh, And, and I think in part it's, it's, being hospitable ourselves and and i guess i see myself in in both roles because i would love that to be able to to go to someone and say you know can i come with you but then also to say would you come with me you know you're welcome yes and we need help with discernment you know some some folks want to do that uh to network uh some folks want to do it to consume Uh, they don't they don't even know that it just it in us you know uh but um other folks even have mixtures of that in their life like we all do as americans but they something has happened usually something's happened in their life where they realize they they have to risk um hope uh pain's going to come anyway so i'm going to have to risk 
in the direction of of uh, relo- relational care and hope. And those folks, uh, they just they just try, <laughs> and, um, and it's not a slick performance in any way. It's just an attempt, and we sneeze in front of each other, and we have to blow our nose in front of each other, and and uh, we're getting back to this theology of place, uh, what it would have been like just to walk with the Lord Jesus on the road at the end of the day with no deodorant and no shoes, mm-hmm. and to eat fish and bread with him, uh, and that's his mercy to us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I uh just as you were sharing that the the little phrase to avoid risk we must risk yeah. um in in that sense of keeping ourselves from being at risk which is one of the one of the missions of PIR is to help pastors avoid risk uh trying to we're trying to come up with a better term than at risk but that that sense of being at the place where where exit and burnout and 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 those terrible things happen yeah um, but embracing, I guess, embracing Jesus risk, if we can. Yeah. The risk is, is there either way, isn't it? Uh, I was talking to a pastor, this was some years ago now, and he had planted a very earnest, gifted, uh, man who I would love. One of those guys, I would say, I'd be glad if he was my pastor, you know, he planted a church and started a school and, uh, was, three years in and just uh, out of gas and really, really struggling. And I remember him saying, uh, I, can't, I can't stop. If I stop, if I take a break, because I'm saying, I think you need a break. Uh, you know, we got to find a way to build in a break here. I can't stop and take a break. If I do, what will happen to this church plant and to this school? And in that moment, I said to him what I would need someone to say to me. Uh, because I could easily be him uh, in that moment. Uh, I said to him, but what will happen if you don't stop? What will happen to that school and to that church plant? It, the, the cost is, is, is there either, either side. You know, you, um, uh, so there's going to there'll have to be a Sabbath trust here. You have to trust God's way. Uh, that to take a break in order to go forward. And um, if we don't take that break, then the school and the church will ultimately be damaged uh, because we will be. And and so it's just a catch-22. It's a rock in a hard place. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to stop at some point. You, you can stop strategically with planning in order to go forward. Or you can stop when sickness and burnout or, or damage, you know, kind of. But at some point, a Sabbath will have to happen, <laughs> you know. One way or another, it That's will right. happen, yeah. That's right. So when we can trust the Lord. We get afraid that if we're not at the center, it'll fall apart. And at that moment, I mean, so gently, we, we say to ourselves, oh, uh, are, we, are we saying if we're not the center, it won't hold together? Dear pastor, is that what you're saying? And in that moment, we gently remind ourselves, oh, isn't it, if Jesus isn't at the center, it won't hold together. Um, The one who called you to plant that church in that school, he's not going to let you fall or let it all fail. Um, Trust him. Uh, Let's find a way to build in strategic rest so that you can keep going with vigorous mission. Yeah. And that that just reminds me of 
your time with us, one of the things we talked about was finding God's rhythm um, mm. and, and how important that, that is. Um, would you just share a little bit uh, about that again, just to refresh my memory as you consider the, the pastor in the pulpit who's, you know, uh, I think you said learning to do ministry in the ordinary, mm. um, uh, just how important it is to find God's rhythm uh, for life and ministry. Yeah. Well, our first, the first thing is how, number one, what is the dominant image that we have as a pastor? That's really important. And that affects our rhythm. Uh, is our dominant, what is it a CEO? Is it a, uh, um, conference speaker? Is it an itinerant? Is it a, a business? Uh, is it a 501c3? Am I a mobilizer? What's, what's the dominant image? And the dominant image in scripture for pastoral work, Paul gives us three. He gives us the marathon runner, the uh, soldier, and the farmer. And each of those, marathon runner, farmer, soldier, each of those uh, metaphors have to do with a long, steady work. And then, of course, the dominant image for pastor is shepherd. Mm. And a shepherd is a returning one. They return to the same old, same old every day. They learn how to go back to the same hillside with the same sheep in the same place every day. They're not the evangelists going here and there, right? Um, they're not the apostles on the our tenor. They're they're the staying ones. And so, okay, if if the dominant image of my pastoral work is a staying one, a same old same old, I gotta I gotta learn the capacity to handle the same old same old for the sake of the people who are here. Uh, what then do I need? Well, second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a, a theology of boredom. I'm going to have to know how to be in, down at the local grocery store or in a living room with someone who left our church three years ago, but they're still in the same community. I'm going to have to learn that shifting geography, uh, actually, I don't have that option um, right now. I may later, but not now. So if, how do I handle boredom? How do I find joy in ordinary things? How do I see the, the delight of people and uh, weather and flowers and everything that God's not bored with? How do I become unbored by the things that delight God in an ordinary place? And uh, so the, the, the theological need that I have shifts. I, I do need to know how to preach and to uh, shepherd and pastoral care and pastoral apology. I do need all that, but... I got to learn how to do the same thing again and again and again. Uh, Cause that's what a pastor does. And then a third thing is I'm also going to need rhythms of rest and work. And so our, our culture is all out of whack uh, with rest and work. So here, um, uh, there's two main thoughts about that. One is remember the, the way it is in the, that God set it up, and I'll just do it very quickly here. Day one, right in Genesis, was um, work, rest, work, rest, work, rest, work, rest, work, rest, work, um, rest, rest, right? When we get to that seventh thing, yeah. work, rest, and then there's two more rest, rest, rest. And that's the thing that's missing, um, the rest in the evenings. And then the rest, 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 um, go from that sixth into the seventh day. And um, now, uh, some of us are restaholics, right? Yeah. That's true. And we need help in the opposite direction. 
there, um, there is a time of harvest for a farmer when he's working sun morning, you know, sunrise to sunset, uh, six days a week. And, um, and some of us need to understand that. Uh, but for most of us who are workaholics, we need to understand, yeah, but every season isn't harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, the farmer has to let his tools and his land and his crops rest. And uh, so we need help with those work and rest rhythms. There are, there's a lot more we could say, but those mm-hmm. are some. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Um, again, personally, just to be refreshed on what you had shared, but then to, to um, I love that finding a theology of boredom mm-hmm. uh, because pastoral ministry as much as we might look at an itinerant minister, an evangelist, or, you know, someone who's called to to live the the glitzy lifestyle that we all long for, that's easy in comparison to the day in, day out, faithful, persevering ministry in the ordinary. Uh, yeah, those dear brothers have a different cha- set of challenges. Mm-hmm. They, they will give themselves to strangers mm-hmm. um, regularly and, and and struggle to feel disembodied and untethered. Mm-hmm. We will give ourselves to the same old faces <laughs> every day and struggle the, with the fact we are embodied and tethered. Mm-hmm. And uh, both callings have their own set of challenges and needs. Yeah. 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 Um, would you be willing to share personally where where you have um, seen hope renewed especially in your life as you've gone through the rhythms of, of life, the rhythms of uh, brokenness, the rhythms of ministry, um, just a, a way or two in which as a word of encouragement where you've seen God uh, really renew hope for you. Yeah. I think uh, one of the ways he's renewed hope is, is has come out of, um, Yeah. Uh, underneath everything we're saying right now about rest and work is really, can I, can I be overlooked? Can, can I, uh, can I let someone overlook me? Can I, uh, fear of missing out, you know, can I miss out and still have a good life with God? You know, can I, um, can I let someone who, uh, believes that I should meet, their consumer immediate need right now. Can I risk saying, I can't meet with you right now. I, I can meet with you two days from now. I really can. I can give you this amount of time and uh, you know, and all that. And then they say, well, you're a person who's not available. I'm out of here. Right. Can I, can I bear with that risk? And I think what the Lord's been showing me is that he's just really big enough. He, he's really able to hold the church together, to hold the school together, to hold that that person together, to hold me together, if I uh, trust his ways. And I trust his word, will I trust his ways? And, and if, you know, most things in life that really matter do take small, mostly overlooked graces over a long period of time, any kind of solid friendship or marriage or um, skill set or 
sanctification or learning where the Bible books are or being able to forgive someone, being able to work through sickness and pain and sorrow, being able to uh, grow and joy, like all those things just are small, mostly overlooked, long period of time things. Can I trust his way with that? And what I'm, what, and I need, I'm in an embodied community here that helps me when I forget what I'm saying. And uh, in such a community, uh, I'm seeing that, yeah, uh, you really can, <laughs> you really can be unknown to the world and walk through really serious challenges. And thrive with everything you ever prayed and hoped for. I mean, when it all started out, I just hoped I could preach God's word and minister to people. Somewhere along the line, that doesn't, that's not enough. It's got to be whatever, bigger, better, faster, you know. And you get to realize, man, I, just, I get to do everything I ever longed for mm. every day. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, as, as you know, um, to our marvelous, uh, a marvelous wonder at our home is the, the birth of our fourth child who, um, uh, he's eight weeks old. I have a 24 year old, a 21 year old, a 15 year old and an eight week old. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, okay. That changes my future. So if I'm a fifth, if, if I'm 50 and I'm an empty nester, if I'm 55 and I'm an empty nester, now all the literature tells me, go for your legacy, right? Now what's my legacy? I can't just go. Um, and uh, there are narratives in the culture, in the church and culture that would tell me how sad. Mm. But the biblical narrative tells me, this is what you're made for. Mm-hmm. This is everything Eden was meant to be and what you're headed for in the new kingdom. You, you get to be in a place that God gave you with a people that he gave you to love with uh, some good work to do. And God loves that, and that's enough. I, I'm just jotting that down because I love that as a word of hope, you know, to be able to say that's enough. Not, not in the sense of finality, but in the sense of fulfillment. Yeah, I, I can't, um, yeah, we remind ourselves of this, right? Uh, you can't know everything, and you were never meant to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to repent because you can't be everywhere at once. Only God can be everywhere at once. We repent because we've been trying to be everywhere at once. And we can't fix everything. And we, can't, we don't have to repent because we can't fix everything. Only God can fix everything. That's called omnipotence, you know. And uh, we repent because we've been trying to fix everything, know everything, be everywhere at once. We, we, all of that uh, energy and missing out and fear and angst is because we're trying to be like God. God is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent one. And we're not, and we were never meant to be. So now, now what? <laughs> now that that's settled, <laughs> we get to be creatures again, you know? We get to be finite creatures again in God's world. And his delight breaks through. And uh, his delight in ordinary things is part of what's pushing back on the darkness. Pastors, ministry leaders, we're only ordinary humans who God delights in. That's a great word of rest and hope from our guest, pastor, teacher, and author, Zach Eswine. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from this conversation 
and are once again pointed to the hope found in Jesus Christ. You can learn more about PIR Ministries at our webpage, pirministries.org. Please know we stand ready to serve you and pastors you know facing the uncertainty and pain of forced vocational transition. Thanks for listening to Hope Renewed. And remember, the hope of Christ does not put us to shame.